You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Podcast. This is episode number 314 of East Central's favorite podcast, Jeremiah Morrill, joined by executive video producer, audio engineer, uh, and uh, life coach, Zach Bircham. Uh, I am not a life coach. I'm barely... Uh, you're, a, you're a youth sports coach, and you're Dakota's coach as he's uh, em- embarking in his, uh, his greatest challenge this week. All these signs of questionable Greatest challenge of the practices. week, or is this your greatest challenge? is coming up this week probably my greatest physical challenge all right so my forever co-host dakota davis today's episode features mr joe lansinger and david sadler they're running for the uh newcastle city judge position um the, in the city elections and we're going to be talking to them really this is going to also be an informational episode because we've never had judge candidates on the show before so we're going to be delving into There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> We've never had two people willing to run for the office at the same time in the history of the program. I'll be honest, I did ask. I was like, they're running against each other. Like, I think I've only ever voted to keep or not keep, keep the or judge. not keep judges. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to be talking to them about the position of the judge itself, and then we're also going to be talking about what has motivated them to run for the position. Um, I have a question in here about what. Uh, what uh, guiding principles they will be using to uh, make decisions as they're sitting uh, with the gavel in hand. And uh, we're just going to be talking about, it's going to be a good discussion. We'll leave it at that. Make sure you stick around to the end because it's going to be jam-packed. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you always learn something new. Uh, each and every week, we give you an extra 15, 20 minutes of bonus content on the old Patreon, uh, which is how this show gets paid for. That's how that's how we make the air each and every week. Uh, and if you do appreciate the existence of this program and want to help us out as we get through the candidate series, uh, jump on our website, BallSoggerLiberty.com. There's a little button to click on for Patreon, and you can you can sign up at any level. If you did watch this week's, you've learned that Dakota doesn't like drawings. I do not. That's true. I enjoy some drawings. I enjoy the drawings that my son makes for me. But that's, you know. You only want drawings that will fit on your refrigerator wall. Correct. Yeah. I don't want drawings that I have to put too much thought into. We'll put it that way. If you want to hear what that's about, then you can support us on Patreon. If you sign up at any level, then you get access to that. It starts out at $5 a month, and it goes all the way to $50 a month. You get access to the show notes ahead of time. So those people on Patreon... They've already seen the questions that we're going to be asking our judge candidates tonight. And then uh, you also get access to um, a bonus episode that happens about 20 minutes every week that we also do with our guests uh, sitting here with us. And then uh, you get some other bonus content. And, you know, we send out gifts occasionally. Usually we send out a gift every year. Uh, Last Christmas we sent out T-shirts for all of our Patreon members. So if you get... If you do sign up at $50 or more a month, you get a shout-out at the front of every episode. And those folks 
our Miss Christy Avery, Mr. Jonathan Phillips, and then, of course, Mr. Anthony Meyer. Uh, and I think, let's see, Christy was hosting some sort of a major event tonight in Fort Wayne. Uh, see, we track your, your life activities if you join at this level. Anthony has some sort of a thing we're praying for. I don't remember what it was, but it was severe. Uh, and John has a golf tournament this weekend, mm-hmm. which I think he still has had people signing up for. So if you want to get involved in that and, uh, and, and learn about what John's up to. There's no way I'm golfing this weekend. Check it out. I'm running 13 miles. There's no way I could. Are you going to stop with point one to go? Yeah. I'm just going to call it. He's, a, he's, only it th- for me. he's doing I'll 13, see the, see and he's laying down. A block away. Be like, I just can't think I can make it. I don't sign up for 13. Where, where's the finish line? Because if it's down in front of the courthouse, there's a 90% chance Dakota stops and just goes in the Oaks Club. I, I, I thought, like, maybe I'll just walk to the tap house. <laughs> he's just done. I've done enough. Right afterwards, I'll just go and get a beer. Alder was like, you're not going to want to drink after that. And I was like, you've been married long enough for you to know me. The best beer I ever had was after running, well, not running, but walking a half marathon. My wife and I did one in San Diego. It's hilly. Oh, yeah. And I uh, I had to walk it because I got a stress fracture training. Oh. And uh, all my toenails fell out as well. So... San Diego uh, sounds like a tough are they town. Are they back? Are they back? <laughs> they're back. They're back. They are came they back. back. The oh. voters need to know if Joe has his toenails back before they make a decision in November. Um, this is this a, was in law school. I this was is a revelation. A different person then. So we have uh, Joe and we have David. Uh, Joe, you're running as a Republican, and David, you're running as the Democrat in this race. Um, you are, Joe, you're also the incumbent right now. That is but correct. Let's start off uh, with you guys telling us a little bit about yourselves, your education, uh, life experiences, and things like that. David, we can start with you. Sure. You're ready. Yeah. Um, so I graduated Newcastle uh, High School here in 1990 <clears throat> and went across the state to DePaul University over in Greencastle. Uh, graduated there in 1994. Went up to I always wanted to live in Chicago, uh, so I did go to law school up in Chicago and uh, practiced up there for a few years, and then came back to uh, Indiana. Um, you take the Illinois bar? I did. I took really? uh, the Illinois bar and the I passed two bar exams. Wow. Yeah. Well, actually, me and my cat did. My my cat, who I inherited uh, from one of my old roommates, uh, he uh, his name was Ed. Okay. And he helped me study for. He there laid all over my books and papers every time I studied. So, uh, yeah. So he was right there with me. We, we passed bo- both bar exams with Ed, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. How long did you live in Chicago? I've always thought, you know. So I moved up there cool. after college in 1994, and uh, stayed up there until 1999. I came back here. My my mom was not well, so I came back here. And uh, took the bar exam here. You got back just in time to reset the computers for not, uh, for the exactly. Y2K. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, that was such a big thing back then. I remember I was so disappointed when it didn't. I know. Just, Nothing happened. I was happened. ready for it. <laughs> I wasn't ready, but I wanted to see the chaos. Yeah. Waiting. Wait, you got it in 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 20 years later, you got the chaos. Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and, Joe Lansinger, tell us tell us about yourself and your your brief background. Well, <clears throat> I'm from Newcastle, also. Um, I went to uh, graduated from Newcastle back then, 
Newcastle Chrysler High School, Walter P. Chrysler High School. And we always know how old a guest is when they, how they describe the high school, <laughs> yeah. what, the na- what it was called at the time. Well, when they when they want to change the name, it was quite an ordeal. Remember that, Dave? Like, I do. People were losing their minds over that. Um, <laughs> I mean, there there are things to lose their mind about, and that's that's clearly one of them. <laughs> it is. But I graduated in two thousand and one. Um, went to Hanover College uh, down in Southern Indiana. Um, uh, the mayor, or not mayor. Governor of Indiana is another Hanover alum. Um, former vice president former is vice gov- president. the uh, the former mayor of Rushville, Mike, uh, not Mike, uh, John McCain, the boss uh, hog alum. Both both of the sitting judges in Rushville as well. All, all uh, you're all Hanover good. people, eh? Yep. And Woody Harrelson. In fact, Woody Harrelson Woody. was in. He yeah. was he lived in the same fraternity house that I lived in. Oh, that's kind of cool. Is there a big picture of that so everybody yeah. knows? No, it's in. just but it's like. In these fraternities and sororities, they have the composite picture, and he would have been there. Shoot, don't quote me on it. I think it was early '80s, and ev- back then everyone was wearing these real wide ties and wide jacket, wide jackets, and uh, and uh, collars, and they all had mustaches and perms, except for Woody. He just had like, if you didn't know, if you came from another planet and you looked at it, you'd just say. This guy, he's going to be something. He's going to be something different. And oh, I was going to ask the question, but you're, you, you, you and I graduated high school the same year, so it would have to be reruns of Cheers. They wouldn't have had Cheers yeah. on because it was already off the air by the time we so, were yeah. done with high school, uh, and you would have been in college. But I just, I just picture Woody Harrelson on on just loop on on the TV yeah. in the, in the brother house. Woody. All right, so that's Hanover. You mm-hmm. did you? you I graduated from Hanover in 05, um, and that's when I got married to my wife, uh, Jennifer Lansinger. Uh, she also she graduated from Newcastle uh, in 2000. Um, so Older lady. Four months. I, I started school late. Um, I did two years of little friends. Uh, and so I was actually 19 and a half when I graduated. Uh, I drove to the middle school. So, <laughs> um, when you graduate middle school, do you have a, pain, a a seniors parking spot there as well? well the, pro- the problem with driving to the middle school is there was no student parking, so you had to park in Baker Park. I always, I always hoped that I got hit as a pedestrian walking from the park to the school. Not enough to become injured, but enough to say, "Come on, let me park. Let me park here. There's a there's enough spaces." So you were a litigious lawyer even back then. Well, I never got I never got hit, but. Um, but I went after after uh, uh, my wife and I got married the summer of 2005 and went straight to law school. The uh, IU in Indianapolis went there for uh, two and a half years. Graduated early because I hated it, um, and so I took night classes and went uh, during the summer so I can get out earlier. I took the February bar and been practicing here in Newcastle since 2008. All right, and then I guess the uh, each of you can weigh in on this, but I I want to hear the over the the ten thousand foot view of what what does a city court do? I guess that it, and why why do they exist and what kind of things flow through flow through a city court? Because right. uh, I, I I know that you've both served as the city judge in the past, and it's a politically elected office, but you know for, as as folks are electing a mayor and they're electing a county council or a city council rather, and their clerk treasurer. 
they get to the judge's spot and I'm not sure that people have put that much thought into it. And that's the biggest thing that I wanted to, to hear about tonight to start. Right. Well, city court, first of all, is a court of limited jurisdiction. So <clears throat> your county courts, uh, most of them are, are courts of general jurisdiction. They can handle all kinds of cases. Newcastle City Court was based upon our city ordinance and our city code here, and that created the court. And so the city court here is designed to interpret and uh, make decisions based on that city ordinance that the city usually brings against uh, its citizens uh, for various different things. And it's up to the city court judge at that point to, first of all, interpret the ordinance and then at that point determine whether or not the city has made their case and then render a decision. All right. Any other explanation for the city court, Joe? Well, um, it's interesting because Indiana, Dave's right in that the city courts and town courts also uh, have pretty limited jurisdiction. Um, uh, we used to have Knightstown Town Court. Um, right. City court could have criminal jurisdiction, but the city, essentially the prosecutor's office doesn't want to file cases there, and um, I don't want them there. <laughs> so um, this is—I'm running for my fourth term, so I've seen um, quite a bit there at the court. But um, but there—it's limited to uh, the way that uh, the mayor uh, and the city council and the city attorney—they've—they've uh, they've essentially uh, made it to just deal with uh, city ordinance violations. So we don't even, we could do infractions like traffic tickets, but we don't handle those uh, for the most part. It's just ordinances. Uh, 99% of it is uh, issues dealing with the uh, building inspector's office um, where somebody, uh, they have a bunch of junk and debris. And that's a legal term. The city code says junk and debris, <laughs> um, or another. So, so a judge would have to interpret what. Yeah. That what is de- well, I had that because another one was rank vegetation. If there's rank vegetation, and right. the city did uh, years ago, they filed uh, a case, and somebody had eh, some scrubby trees uh, in between their house and the neighbors, and I said, I mean, I'm not here to say that this tree, you know, is any better than that tree. So, so the tree rank. stands. That's rank. The tree stands. So. <laughs> Um, those and then uh, uh, cases involving the animal control, uh, mostly with uh, people. Uh, a lot of people don't know in the city of Newcastle, all dogs and all cats have to be licensed with the city and uh, vaccinated for rabies. So we get a lot of cases where folks have not updated their rabies vaccinations, uh, not uh, updated their uh, their city tags. And generally, the animal shelter sends warning letters, but if they end up not doing it, they yeah. cite them. In Every the court. year, you got to renew that license. If yes. you don't, you, you you could be fined for that. I, there are and there are some litigants that I see every year. How much does it cost to own a cat in in the city of Newcastle? Twenty dollars a year. Yeah, it's Tw- not much. Twenty bucks to own a cat in the city. You mean and, like the like the city tag? Yeah, I think it's it's t- for dog and cat. It's ten dollars for the license. Is it per if, per animal? Yes, and if they're uh, if they're not altered. Spayed or neutered, then uh, I think it's thirty. It depends on the cat's pronouns. I think as yeah. a dog owner, I got a letter that yeah, I think it was like 2013. Well, you didn't renew your license, and I sent back a nasty letter saying, "Hey, my dog's died this year." I had a I had a someone bring 
um, what was purported to be the ashes, some cremains in a in a uh, paper bag. You can have it back. He asked yeah. me if I wanted to see it. Did I you said, take it into the okay. evidence locker? I did not. And I believe the rabies vaccine was what fifty dollars. It depends on where you shelter. go. At the shelter, I, it might be. Um, a lot of people do the low cost shelter or low cost vaccines, like at. Uh, uh, tracker Supply or Rural King. So what do you do when you have free-range cats that just keep showing up on your porch? Well, you're not Those- supposed to feed them. If, once you feed them, well, f- like from a practical standpoint, once you feed them, they're yours. They're yours. But from a legal standpoint, if you're feeding them regularly, then that's your cat now. <laughs> got to get a license. Got to yeah. get it vaccinated. Got to watch out for those sense. alley cats. Got to put it on a leash. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to put it on. Dogs have to be leashed or in, in the fence all the time. Um, I think maybe cats are supposed to, too. I've never had that come before me. Is there a cats running large? Yeah. Is there a limit on the leash size? No, but there's a limit on how many animals you can have the, uh, uh, without getting a kennel permit. The gentleman that I took my German Shepherd to, who, he trained German Shepherds, um, and he had his dogs uh, trained so well they would they would never break from his side. Okay. And they wouldn't break from his stride, but where he lived, I believe he, he was in Connorsville. Uh, they had leash laws there. So he was also a leather worker and he made these little six inch leashes mm-hmm. that had a knot in the end that just hung from their collars while he walked them. So he had, <laughs> didn't say you have to hold the leash, you just have to have a leash. Yeah. So Self walking dogs. So it's wildly interesting. So how often, how often does the court I, that's function. the first time I've ever heard anyone describe the city court business as wildly interesting. Well, it, it, it sounds like it's ninety. It's ninety percent domesticated animals. It sounds, it sounds like is the, uh, is the is the biggest responsibility. Uh, you don't. You know. I don't. I know a lot about the Hagerstown Town Court because we're friends with the, the the judge there, and she she performed my wedding. But the the city court, I've had next to no involvement with so far. Yeah. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. I mean, well, you can't touch me. Home. I live in the county. Well, a lot, yeah, of, people, a lot of people don't know that the <laughs> city court even exists I can unless see, they get cited in. I can see the city from my front porch. <laughs> okay. All right. They figure it out quickly then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you own property in uh, in the city, then that property uh, has to be up to code. Yeah. And so um, a lot of it has to do with uh, the condition outside. Um, don't want to have – there are limits to how tall your grass can be. Um, limits to you know having junk out out front. Can't have a toilet seat, uh, you know, just in the lawn. Um, at couches least not for too long. Couches on the. And now I'm lenient when it comes to that because right. okay. I'm not going to say you can ha- you. I'm not going to say this person going to have their porch furniture, but this person can't because one person prefers. Is this, to be a is this our one, first policy disagreement be. of the night? <laughs> I think it could be. I think it could be. <laughs> the couch. If you could buy it at Walmart, yeah. yes. If it came from, <laughs> if, if it if it came originally from uh, from Meyer Furniture, then, then no, because uh, it was it was an in, it, indoor grade. But a lot of it is just junk, or people don't people that have a lot of trash out front. Um, the and, and it's mostly it's mostly driven by neighbors complaining. So I, I, I'd imagine you guys do see like parking violations then. So every now junk and then. cars that get parked on the road yes. or abandoned, that kind of a thing. Abandoned uh, vehicles, we do get get a decent number of. Um, most of the time, it's when someone's got a vehicle that just sits in their driveway. It's on its rims. Um, it's sitting there for months at a time. Um, then they get they'll get a ticket for that. So, there's a city there's a city ordinance about having an inoperable or unlicensed vehicle on the property. 
And so it's going to be moved so often too. Yeah. So tell tell us, and we'll start with you, David. Um, the motivations for running. I assume that this. I haven't looked on uh, Indiana Finance Gateway, but I assume this pays hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lucrative position. Yeah. No, so it's, is it's the so is the merit board. The, the lucrative is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a comma in the number. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell tell us about the motivations to to want to run for city judge. Well, having grown up here, I, I love our I love our town. Absolutely love our town, and I I really love what they've done with it it's this is the best our town has looked at since i've been here and um it's because they solved the large trash problems what i heard well so zach always tells yeah, us yeah that, yeah thanks zach you mean the green toters yeah the green toters are well yeah not, i mean our, our i love our town I, and really quite frankly uh you know this position does not pay much at all um but it's a way for me to give back to the community and um uphold our, our values here all right and joe you're seeking a fourth term so 12 that is correct going for your lucky 13 what i always tell no yeah what i always tell people when they ask what i like most about being city court judge and i just say it's the unmitigated power that i have <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually i'd put that on i had to do a survey the state judicial office sends and they said, what do you find most rewarding about serving as city court judge? And I said, the unmitigated power. <laughs> so I was <laughs> expecting to get a letter back that says, uh, Mr. Lansinger. Uh, <laughs> unbecoming of an officer. There's, there's plenty of mitigation to your power. <laughs> so, But I, I enjoy doing it. Uh, something uh, that um, really the first time I ran, um, I'm trying to think what that would, would have been. Well, whatever – Twelve years ago was. Um, it was the first. It was the first election that Mayor York was in. Also, um, but uh, I wanted to do it for the reasons that Dave described, um, and uh, the reasons that I, I still want to do it are because I enjoy doing it. I think I do a, a good job, um, and I, I'm fair with people. Uh, I think for the most part, people come away from city court feeling like they've been treated with respect. So, how does? I guess is there is there a prosecutor when there's something that comes before the city court? Is that like the city attorney the city is attorney serving as the prosecutor? So, yep. so Joel Harvey is the Newcastle city attorney. He's the one who usually files the, their cases uh, on their behalf, and he he's as Joe had mentioned, he's usually representing the building commissioner and or, or the animal shelter folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's he's the actual attorney that files the case on behalf of the city. Okay, and then. Do you uh, do folks normally represent themselves when they have a case come forward, or do they have representation? Almost always, they represent themselves. Yeah, I mean, usually you'll get an attorney there. Yeah, yeah, but not very often. I mean, I would say fewer than one percent of cases do they have an attorney. And this is a monthly occurrence, or it's it is Friday afternoons, um, but not. It's not every Friday. We have a set. uh, We we have a calendar set out. Probably averages uh, to be three three Fridays a, a month. All right, man. That's one of the things I got to change. Friday afternoon, we, we got to move this to Monday afternoon. <laughs> that's probably only get one percent with attorneys. That's, 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 that's how it used to be. I moved it to Friday. I know when I was city court judge back in two thousand six. We, we uh, was elected then, and 
Yeah, we, we definitely did not do Friday afternoons. I don't know what attorney wants to be working on a Friday afternoon. I was going to say, that's probably why you only got 1% of attorneys on a Friday. That's because exactly. it's like... Uh, <laughs> this, is on, this is on Friday at 2? I cannot be your attorney. Yeah, sorry, I've got a conflict. Can't, can't possibly do that. Tea times at 1.15. I know for a fact that on Friday afternoons you can find some attorneys at a local establishment right down the road here. <laughs> so, Joe, real quick, what... What do you think is the most important quality for someone to look for in a city judge? I think it's the, it's the most important quality to look for in any kind of judge, um, and that's to uh, to be a good listener, to have patience, um, to to have understanding um, of what's what's coming before you, to understand that um, the person in front of you uh, might be. Uh, is is most likely to be in very different circumstances, background um, than me, and so be able to take that into consideration. Um, I think that that is what what makes a good judge. Um, and then in city court, uh, the I mean, obviously there's there's a lot more to to it than just those things, but in city court. For a lot of people, it's the first or only experience they have with the judicial system, um, and so it's it's kind of a it's important to to treat people with respect, to give them a good a, a good impression of what um, our American judicial system uh, is all about, and so even though it's it's on a very small level, it's still the same. I mean, the same rules of procedure, the same rights that people have, due process rights apply in Newcastle City Court as they as they are in federal court. I mean, of course, there's different rules, but the same basic rights are still there. Um, and for a lot of people, that's their only experience with court. Uh, so I, I don't I don't want to say I want to make it a good experience, but I don't want to make it you want to be a bad experience. All right, and to David Sadler. Well, first of all, you you better know what the law is. You better know the precedent that's come before it and how that's been interpreted by other courts. And, you know, our, our courts, that's our system. You have to use precedent. So if once you've studied the law and learned it, then you learn how to interpret it. At that point, you know, you have to be a good listener. You have to be fair to both sides. And... Quite frankly, if, if I've heard one concern about our, our, our situation, it's that, you know, a, a lot of these things get dragged out. And, I mean, one of the things that uh, I would do as, as city court judge, again, is hold people accountable. If, um, if the city has proved their case and uh, we found that, that there's been a violation, um, an order will be issued and you will be held accountable. So the old saying is that a law is only as good as what it is in force. And I'm finding from what you guys are talking about with the city ordinances, the judge has, you you said unmitigated power, but the judge has a, a lot of authority whenever it comes to enforcing the city ordinances. Yes. Right? So, Can you get a jury trial in city court? You do have a right to it, but we don't have the facility for it. Um, so if a jury t- trial... And that's one thing when I when I advise people the rights, I do advise them that they do have a right to a jury trial. Um, they have to make that a certain. Uh, they have to make that request 
in a certain way. But if they do, um, we just um, venue it to the circuit court. Yeah, just transfer Because there's not enough. I mean, we don't have the facility for it. And, and it's not practical to have a jury trial there because um, one thing about uh, city and town courts is um, if someone wants to appeal, it's not uh, – it's what's called an appeal de novo. So they start over in circuit court. So let's say somebody gets a speeding ticket in a, in a city court and they, they lose and they decide – well, I'll, I'll use a better example. This is something that came out of Knightstown, town court. Guy uh, gets, a, gets uh, arrested because Knightstown did criminal cases. It was for mischief, which is one of my favorite names of the law. <laughs> For mischief, because he was driving his lawnmower through his neighbor through his gravel, so that the gravel would hit the neighbor's siding and damage it. He goes to to it's mischievous. Yes, yes, it is very mischievous. And so he uh, he goes to city court. He has a tri- or excuse me, Knightstown court. He has a trial. He's convicted. Judge sentences him. Uh, I think it was sixty days in the Henry County Jail. This was not his first. Was round of first mischievous yes. activity, and so he appeals to the circuit court, um, and so the circuit court doesn't look at the evidence. They don't look at the record and say, "Did the judge make the right decision?" It starts fresh. It's a whole new trial. Um, they hear the evidence all over again, um, and in this case, the judge who heard it uh, the second time found this fellow guilty and sentenced him to 180 days in the Henry County Jail. So didn't work well. Sometimes you, you get the justice that you ask for. You win some, you lose some. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, David, uh, you mentioned in that uh, staying on top of precedents that's set before mm-hmm. is really important for a yeah. judge. Uh, and also, as we're talking about city ordinances changing, um, things are constantly changing yes, with laws. Uh, what, what can a city judge do best to make sure that they're staying up on top of anything that's happening and any changes that are going on? Well, first of all, you you got to follow city council and make sure that you're up to date on what uh, the ordinance is. Um, of course, every month... Uh, now, we, we heard Aaron Dickin tried to ban smoking across the entire city. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't think that would Again. go very well uh, here in Newcastle, but you know, uh, certainly in public buildings, that, that's probably... But as a judge, you know, that that's not our job to make legislation or, or you know, make ordinances. Our, our job is to interpret the ordinances the best way we can with our knowledge, with our experience, and render a fair decision. So uh, it's, it's definitely different than, you know, a, a mayor's job uh, or, that enforces it or the city council's job that puts forth the legislation. Uh, this is more the judicial side that's interpreting those actions and uh, determining if people are following them so the, the and this isn't in the notes i apologize because i just thought That's about okay. it but the prosecute marion county prosecutor had said that he didn't agree with marijuana laws right so right. he wasn't going to prosecute any of those right. so is there a, a check like we have a system of check and balances in our government is there some kind of check to where you can't you know judge david sadler can't say i don't agree that you shouldn't be allowed to smoke in public parks. So I'm going to just dismiss all of those cases that come in front sure. of me. That is definitely not the job of, of a judge. Um, that is the job of the legislature or Congress or 
in this particular case, the uh, city council. And our job is to interpret that and, and rule on those laws that they have passed. Uh, I, I certainly would not be an active judge where I'm determining that some ordinance passed by the city council is not appropriate. That That's just not a judge's job. You have anything to add? Well, I will say, as Dave keeps talking about interpreting the law, and he's right to some res- respect, but as far as the city ordinance goes, we're not talking about the Magna Carta oh, here that that's true. that we got to put put our heads to to the down and really try to figure out what what was the you're intent. Not try, you're trying to find out what was the original intent what of did the that, framers. What did of the this. comma mean about? Yeah, right. Uh, so it's either pile of rubbish. And so for city court, it's um, a lot of it uh, is either the dog's vaccinated or it's not. Either right. the dog has a license or it's not. Um, there's uh, the the this uh, code as far as what constitutes a kennel. Um, you have to have a kennel permit if you have more than five animals. So um, you either have five animals or you don't. Right. And, uh, in fact, we had a trial. This was years ago, and um, a woman said, no, I don't have five dogs. I only have three. And so we had a bench trial. At a bench trial, the city puts on the evidence, and then the, the defendant puts on their evidence. And uh, the city's first exhibit was a picture of five white huskies in the doorway of this woman's house. And then there's not a whole lot you can say. Or no, the, the limit, it was six because the limit's five. So she said, so that was that. Was that. You either have the, the number or you don't. Similar to speeding, um, you're either over the speed limit or you're not. Um, and the burden of proof on these is low. It's a preponderance of the evidence. So the city just has to prove that it's more likely than not than, that the person committed the violation. Uh, I agree with Dave that there's some interpretation to to some of it, but it's not as much within the city code as, as one might expect. You guys ever see anybody find or uh, found to be having harboring chickens in city limits? The funny thing is, I know people that have chickens. Um, <laughs> I'm not one of them, <laughs> but I know people that do. And if their neighbors don't care. The city's not citing them in because the city probably doesn't know about it. Um, I've we, always we said it's a, hard to know if it's a parakeet where, or a chicken. I don't the know. Complaint starts is from a neighbor, absolutely, who says, "Hey, I don't like what's going on over there. That's below standards. It's bringing my property value down." Yeah, but then the so, then the complaint comes right across the street back to Adam sometimes. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's how that's generally how a case starts in city court. So, but do you agree with David with the the making a decision? As oh, absolutely. Out cases, yeah, because okay. there there are some aspects of the city code that I I don't think that I would have written it if I was in charge of writing the city code, um, but it's there, and so um, I'm going to the elected representatives of the people. Yeah, yeah. But a prosecutor has a lot of a lot more discretion on what they bring, and so yeah. that's why you could have a prosecutor say. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bring a marijuana case because we don't agree with the law. Um, here, uh, the the city attorney has has broad discretion in what cases they bring. If they brought in, if they issued tickets to every single property in city limits that was not up to code, I mean, there's not enough hours in the day uh, for us to to deal with it. Be so Thursday and Friday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> be, thir- be Friday morning and Friday. <laughs> so uh, there's just so they have to be selective as far as that goes. But once it's in front of the court, 
then I cannot be selective as to how I gotcha. in, uh, pick or choose how I'm going to enforce uh, enforce uh, a certain provision. So Dakota has some some commentary in here or in, in the notes about the budget constraints for the city. How how is a city court funded? I guess is it through court costs? Is that is that what yes. pays for it? So. Mm-hmm. If you if you get fined for your eleven inch tall grass and it was only supposed to be ten, then you're going to pay for your court cost, and that's how that's that's how a city like Newcastle can More have a court. Less, yes, I mean there there may be part of the city budget um, that goes toward it. I really don't know. I know it's it's generally um, funded. We're we're uh, I go to a lot of the city and town court judges meetings uh, that are statewide, and some of city and town court courts lose money. Um, the city is paying to keep them afloat um, for the per- just for the benefit of having the court. Um, our court is does not lose money. Um, we're not there to make money. Uh, some some cities have done that and gotten in trouble because they set the city council thinks well we'll set this up and then we'll get fine money and we'll start getting revenue and that's not the purpose. Uh, that's not what the purpose of a court should be. Um, it should uh, it should be to Help enforce uh, enforce the, the yeah. City that code. should really be out of sight, out of mind. I mean, that's that's really up to the city council to to provide the funding. And uh, but yeah, as Joe said, I, I don't think our city courts losing money. Do you so, feel any of those budget constraints though? When you're, you know, like, is there any kind of? I did when I was city court judge before. I I did not. Um, but you know, that's just something that as a judge, I'm not. Th- I mean, I don't think judges are out there thinking well. You know, what are we going to do to to fund this? I mean, they're just trying to do your job and do it the best way possible. We did have our budget cut significantly a few years ago because we didn't use all of it, and so they say, "Well, if you don't use it, you uh, you only need half." I mean, that seems reasonable. No, I get it, but sometimes you don't need a new printer, (laughs) and then when you do, (laughs) the budget support it's not there. Well, you just have to please. So, so if a so Knightstown had a court and it went away. Mm-hmm. A city, I assume, cities of Newcastle size, they generally do have courts. Like this is not, it's not an anomaly to have yeah. a city court. And if it wasn't here, it would be an additional burden on, I assume, on our county courts. Well, yes, it would be, and then the city would have to file their actions in either the circuit court one, two, or three, which is what our courts are here in Henry County, and that that would cost the city a lot yeah. more. Because um, it's just uh, yeah, then they would be paying the county court costs and uh, litigants, uh, you know, depending on w- what the case is about. So let's talk every every ele- election cycle. The candidates are talking about transparency in office. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess we'll start with how transparent is it now? Like what's been done recently, and what do you think could be? Done better. Uh, we can start with you, Joe. I think we sure. David. Last. Well, well, court. The if court is wrong, open to anyone. Um, it's it's. Uh, we have open courts. So, um, if you to one more meeting for Zach to attend. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so, anyone who wants to come, I don't and recall see, the paper ever coming to city court. Have they ever come to or yeah. a reporter? Okay. Every now and then, not not that often, but there's been some. Only when it's a big one. Yeah. Yeah, and which isn't that often. Um, <laughs> the there was one where somebody was dumping a bunch of stuff um, in uh, one of the some, one of the culverts out by the the new Y, 
and it just they, basically it was a it was a they moved out of their of their house and threw everything in the yard, and then the bill inspector said you can't have all of your stuff in the yard, so they just took all of it and dumped it in a drainage ditch. And so the mayor was pretty hot about that. Um, he wanted the people to go to jail. Uh, I couldn't do that uh, for him. Uh, but uh, the paper well, that was there for that. could also be a state crime, too. It know? could have been, if, yeah. depending on – I mean, you could get DNR in there, yeah. IDEM. It could be – we get <laughs> yeah. the feds. The tire dumping case. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Give me the number for the EPA. Yeah. Um, but then there was the, the Firestone plant. Um, that was uh, an IDEM uh, situation um, it was a brown site uh, is what they they ended up a brown declaring field. brownfield that's it uh, it might have been a brown site as well I don't know but uh, depends upon the season it does but um, in that the, the paper was there for that but as far as individual I mean if someone wanted to come from the curb every time I've got no problem with that um, you cannot under Indiana law um, broadcasting of courts is um, has generally been prohibited. Yeah, it's, it, change, it is changing um, to allow a court if they want to, they can do it, but it has to be done under certain um, uh, certain parameters. Like uh, uh, I don't see, I don't foresee a situation in Indiana in which it'll ever be allowed for someone to come in with, say, a cell phone or a camera and then just record the proceedings. Right. I, I can't. I can't imagine that happening. I don't think that's uh, allowed in any – well, I can't speak to other states. I'd be surprised if it's allowed in other states. So um, we're not going to get the uh, the Providence show, that uh, the, the, the city judge in Providence that put his old thing on TV? Well, and see, that's different. If, if someone – if they wanted to be broadcast and it was under the, those parameters, I think it can be um, under the new Indiana uh, – under some of the laws that are being floated right now by the Supreme Court – I don't think that – let's say I wanted to do a Judge Joe show. I don't think I could do that. But what – I've thought about it. I've thought about it before, but I don't think I could. But they don't want individuals uh, videoing because one thing, it can be easily edited. So let's say uh, mm-hmm. let's say a litigant uh, says X, Y, Z, and so that the person records it. They take out the Y, and then they post that the person's all they said was X and right. Z, um, and it's not giving it's not accurate. You lose context. Yes, as long as judges have authority to determine whether or not a camera could be in your courtroom, I, I wouldn't. I would not allow one. Well, I did have one. I agree. I wouldn't either. Um, I did have one person, um, unbeknownst to me, he was videoing from his phone uh, surreptitiously, and then later posted it on YouTube. But here's the thing. City court proceedings are not exciting. They're no. not wildly interesting. <laughs> They're and pretty so short, too. He got like – it was like up for two months and had two views, and I think they were both his. A major so, case lasts maybe 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. most cases don't go to trial. So right. a lot of it is their review – their initial hearings where um, where people will either admit or deny the violation – Ninety percent of the time, they admit the violation because, like I said, either your dog vaccinated or it's not. Yeah. Um, I just don't show up. Then, then if they have good service on you, then they can ask for a default judgment. Mm. Um, and then we, what is good service? Um, personal service, certified mail, um, leaving a copy and mailing a copy. Um, a lot of it's personal service that that they do. 
But uh, yeah, they know where you live. Yeah, that's they, where the that's where the violations happening. Uh-huh. <laughs> what's what's Unless tricky? It's a landlord, you know. No, it's a good question because um, there are a lot of properties that are owned by individuals out of state, and a lot of them have bought these properties sight unseen, yeah. um, with the idea that they're going to make money on it. And um, hard. yeah, so so they they it's, buy a house for five thousand dollars, think they're going to flip it. They never cut the grass, and then. The city cuts the grass for them for the year, and all of a sudden there's a thousand dollars. And so, is it a lien that goes against it does. the property? It's a lien, yeah. um, and it's a tax lien on it. So they've got to pay that through the um, through the assessor's yeah, office. Through the assessor's office to before the they transfer the property to somebody else. Yeah, so or, it's going to have to be paid. But I've had some where I mean, people are going to lose it in a tax sale because of the liens from yeah. um, from the city court. But it does. There are, and it's something that's facing. I would say a lot of cities and towns in Indiana. Um, is um, abandoned properties, uh, and uh, there's very little that the city can do about a lot of that. Um, I mean, there are people who own from California that own properties in Newcastle that have never seen them. Uh, the city, uh, the city attorney can cite them in. I could issue a maximum fine, um, and that doesn't. That one, it doesn't uh, tear down the dilapidated property, the fine becomes a lien and that's it. So the enforcement side of things, uh, there aren't a lot of tools uh, for the city just because of the budgetary constraints. Uh, I've I've signed probably 200 demolition orders uh, over the years, and some of them I've signed uh, to demolish the same place more than once. Um, A lot of good did the first time, huh? uh, Yeah, exactly. But there's no money there. So – until the until there's a larger budget within the city or grant money, um, give back to half your court money. I don't know why they can't get the houses torn down. Yeah, <laughs> uh, David, back to the transparency question for you. Um, is there anything in the city courts that you think can like can increase transparency amongst the office? Well, uh, I mean, the, the court is open to the public, so they can come. But as far as transparency goes. Um, I mean, our court systems are an open that, – that's, that's one of the things our Constitution protects is, is open courts. And so anybody can come. Anybody can see uh, what's going on. Um, but as far as the enforcement of that, whether it's a demolition or something, that, that's really uh, – that's not the city court's job. You know, they issue a ruling, and then it goes back to the, the, uh, the city. Yeah. So I think maybe the transparency issues are maybe at the different branches of government about passing the laws. But if you want to come to city court, come to city court. It's so, not very exciting, as Joe said. There, it has its moments. Usually. It has its Usually. moments, but most of the time it, it's not. And yeah. um, it's a lot, like I said, so initial hearings, either admit or deny. Most of the time they admit. And then it's my next question is, all right, how long is it going to take you to get this dog vaccinated? Right. How long is it going to take you? To, and I always tell people. Um, and this does, Dave said he's not, he wouldn't let things drag on, but I, I do give people, um, an opportunity, uh, to, to make payments on things. A lot of folks don't have the means, uh, to pay, uh, the course costs and fines. And it's not a tremendous amount, but what's, what's not a lot to me might be a lot, uh, to someone else. So I, I say, how long is it going to take for you to pay these court costs and fines? Uh, and then if they give, they say, well, I'm, I'm, I get my disability on the first, so I'm going to need, can I get two months? And I said, all right, we'll set it for review in two months. 
Um, if you need more time, come back and ask for it. Um, and I generally will give people time if they're making an effort. Uh, I don't issue warrants for failure to pay. Uh, to me, that uh, one, I think that uh, the sheriff would be banging on my door saying, Joe, our jail's full enough as it is. Right. Uh, but but that doesn't solve any problems from the, the way I look at it. Uh, the uh, And I always tell people if they need to get the animals vaccinated, if they need to get the house taken care of, I say, get that taken care of first. Worry about the court costs later. Um, get the animal, especially I get on people the most about the vaccinations because that's a matter of, of public uh, health and safety. It's a safety issue, right? Yeah. So I, and that's the, the, the conversation got me going down the, the track here. Census.gov, David says that the average median household income for Newcastle, Indiana is $46,000. Right. And 19% of the people that live here are below the poverty line, according, yeah. according to what they have. So, there is this balance, I guess, of, hey, you you know, the court can find people, but you also can only get so much, so fines much and, from fines people. Fines and costs are, are, are not the issue. It's it's the action that needs to be done. If you need to clean up your house, if you need to get up the trash, let's get it done. If I issue an order, I expect it to be followed, period. Um, fines and costs, sure. We can always have more time, but it's the action that matters. And that's certainly, if I issue an order and tell, tell you you got to get something done, I expect it to be done. All right. What else you got, D squared? Um, so uh, conflicts of interest and uh, un- subconscious biases. It's going to happen everywhere, but it's more of an issue in the legal system. Um, you know, is that something that's always on your mind that, you know, um, of a subconscious bias that you may have is it or if there is a conflict of interest hey i've been you know good friends with this guy for 10 years and now his dog is unvaccinated and he's in my courtroom are is there i mean i just don't know the the process or the system sure and yeah we we live in a small community so there's going to be a lot of overlap um i always i've had uh, situations where I have had a client because I have a private office here in town as well, um, and so I might have a client for something completely unrelated. We'll say a divorce, um, and or a, or a former client, and then they're in city court for their dog. We'll say, and so I always identify that uh, in open court um, to the city attorney and to the the litigant. And say no, I don't. I don't go into uh, my my client attorney relationship uh, with the other person, but I say, I've represented this person in an unrelated matter. Uh, Mr. Harvey, is that um, does that raise any concerns for you? Are you fine with me sitting uh, on this case? Uh, likewise with the, with the client. I have had some cases where, uh, well, in fact, Dave had, I, I appointed uh, Dave uh, uh, pro tem for me uh, at one point because I had a case where um, the, the actual what was before the city court was the same thing that I was involved with in a juvenile case right. um, in circuit court one. And so I said, I, I can't be the finder of fact in this when it has to do with what I'm representing them for mm. in this, yeah. in this other case. Uh, and, and a lot of the times people talk about a conflict of interest. Um, and then there's the appearance of a conflict of interest. And if you read the, uh, the judicial canons 
or the Indiana rules of professional responsibility. Those are like the ethics rules for judges and attorneys. And there's specifics that say this is, and this is where you, really your interpretation comes in because yeah. it's very fact-specific. But there's some where it's obviously a conflict. Yeah. And the way that the rules say these things are conflicts, these things. And there are some where if you ask ten people, you gave a scenario, and you say, is this a conflict of interest? Nine of them are going to say yes. According to the rules, it's not. But it has the appearance of it. And to mm-hmm. me, yeah. the appearance of it is, is just a, it's, it's the same. If there's an appearance of a conflict, then there's a conflict yeah. um, because you don't, you don't want people to lose faith in the judiciary. So the tool that you have is that you can appoint another attorney to be the judge in that case. Yes. To serve, to serve the role. Yes. Hmm. And you want to do that because it, otherwise it would undermine the legitimacy of your court. If people thought you were doing favors for certain people, that undermines the the legitimacy of your rulings, the legitimacy of your your court. So Absolutely. that is the real purpose of the rules of ethics uh, when it comes to especially the judicial canons of ethics. That's why the appearance of, of an impropriety or an ethics violation is important. Yeah, it's just as bad as if it's a black and white ethics right. violation. So uh, – there's some self-checking that has to happen. Is what well, I'm, is well, what I'm for hearing. example, I have a billionaire friend, and he's got some properties, and I don't I, take I don't plane have any trips. Billionaire friends. I, and I'm I've a billionaire been, friend. I've, I've been offered some luxury <laughs> vacations with him, and I've said no because um, that gives the impression of impropriety. I've got another. Are we talking about this? I've got another billionaire friend, and he's offered a couple times to buy my mother-in-law a house. And I've said, no, no, that's because that, that gives the appearance of impropriety. And so, I mean, it'd be nice. I'm telling you, it'd be nice to go to some of these places. You know, <laughs> if you just had a little bit more unmitigated power in your yeah, court. Exactly. <laughs> it's, you know, the, uh, <laughs> but the truth of the matter is our entire – I know a lot of people make jokes about lawyers, but the, the bottom line is we, all through law school, every – Every year we have to take ethics classes and be educated on that. And so we're all up to date on those ethics things. So what happens is when a situation comes up, you have alarm bells that go off in your mind, or at least you should have alarm bells yeah. um, that are basic common sense. And you've got to have that experience. And I know Joe and I both both do. Uh, anytime there's a conflict, uh, whether it's in our private practice or, or whether it's uh, – it, it, at city court, uh, we're both on top of that. Very good. Um, this is the part of the show where we generally get around to, uh, you guys would call it closing statements. We call it final thoughts. All right. Um, so a- anything we forgot to, anything we left out, uh, normally I tell candidates that this is where they're supposed to ask for money because yard signs aren't free and door to door knocking's not free. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you've got campaigning to do, this is where you can, you can work that in. Uh, but just if you want more information, how do, how do people get get it more information on you, David? Well, I don't have a website, or I, I don't I'm, I don't intend on putting out signs or anything. But uh, I mean, certainly, uh, I think people are aware of this race, and I think I'm up to the job. I've been up to the job before, uh, and certainly, uh, I love our town. I love our town. I have a private practice here. I've practiced here since 1999 here in Indiana, and I've got a law practice right there at uh, Indiana Main Street. So if 
anybody wants to come, in fact, I've had a few council folks stop by and and talk to me about some of their concerns, and and uh, I've had that. I mean, that's a great opportunity to come up. Come up anytime. I'll talk to you, and uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, certainly, one of the things that that I want to stress is that I'm going to be fair and equitable with everybody. But at the same point, if I issue an order, you will be held accountable. All right. Uh, let's go to let's go to Joe. We'll get his closing thoughts, and then we'll go to over to Coach Zach at the end here. Well, as far as holding people accountable, I wish I had the magic gavel that Dave has uh, somewhere because it's not as easy <laughs> as it sounds. Um, uh, there's got to be resources for things, and, and and I take the lead from the city. If the if the city uh, is not uh, pressing for say uh, a demolition order, I'm not issuing the demolition order. Um, but, uh, so I, what I would, the demolition, what it depends, uh, Rand and Neil does some of them. Um, the, who pays uh, for it? City. The, the city, city does. Yeah. The city yeah. through sometimes like, through grants, sometimes the land, the land bank is, I think funded a couple. So like some of those properties, um, I sit on the land bank committee. So some of those properties end up eventually, if they get through the courts and the city can take ownership of them, then the city at that point will take. If some of those properties, that's well, a whole other. To recoup the money. Yeah. So yeah. like the city will get it. eventually, whatever government has jurisdiction will end up with with possession of it eventually, hopefully. But it takes a while. There's a process and these people can't be found. And then, yeah, the city can then choose to dem- demolish it or if they give it to the land bank, then we try to sell it and recoup some money and get it on the tax rolls. That is a huge problem though, actually. He's not, there's, they buy them online and tax sales. And then they, they, they're looking at a picture from like 1994 mm-hmm. of the house. And like, that house looks fantastic. I picked it up for $800 and they found it. it sometimes they found out it was demolished like five years ago and there's nothing there. Yeah, I've had people uh, buy burnouts. <laughs> yeah. Scene. They get there and all it's just, Charred remains. Well, that's irresponsible. But if you buy a property, it's <laughs> yeah. your responsibility oh, yeah. to to make oh, sure that it's up to to code. Absolutely, and I tell people that every week, and say, they say, "Well, it's my tenants. My tenants are the ones junk it." Yeah. I said, "City code makes both the landlord, the owner, and or the occupant is liable uh, for the property." So usually, I like to have both the landlords and the tenants in. Um, and in generally, it's the the deeper pockets are going to be the ones that get the get the work done. And then if the landlord has to deal with a tenant over that, um, then that's between them. I would recommend people go look at the Google street view, but if you're looking for the Google street view up on us 36, it may be really blurred right. because of the high speed chase a couple of weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you asked about, um, you could, uh, getting in touch with, with us. Um, I've got an office on, well, I get to look out my window yeah, because right. the, the old cleaners got demolished. And so I get to look out my window and wave to Dave, yeah, uh, his we're, office. We're friends. Yeah. And so. Now uh, you guys are, you guys are the outliers. You're not the downtown attorneys in town. You're, you're the edge of downtown it's like, attorneys. It's, like, downtown. it's two blocks in the downtown. I mean, you're not quite, I don't know. Uh, Indiana, Maine is downtown. Yeah. We've got parking. We're both right there. You're the we fringe have, of downtown attorneys. They're not. They're not hiding Lansinger like Shaw is. Sadler Law Office. Ample parking. Ample parking. Yeah. Ample, parking. <laughs> Ample parking everywhere. Uh, 
But um, if we could get our friend Jeremy to stop illegally parking everywhere, then we'd be a lot better. We're going to worry about him. I mean, he, Only he's you a knew a city judge. Violator. Yes. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But now I'm looking. I look forward to uh, to having a fourth term. Um, I'm really this fourth uh, election means a lot to me because my dad was city court judge years ago, and he did it for. Uh, for four terms, so uh, I'd like to be able to do the same consecutively. Um, he did, I All believe. Right. I believe so. I and, took over after he retired. Yeah, well, and the reason he retired was because he didn't live in the city limits, yep. but no one else wanted the job, and so he, they no one made a stink. But then an opposing political party found out and made a stink, and he said, "I don't want to." Mess with that, so that's <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> John, John was a you want it, you could ask. I don't understand what the problem is. The mayor doesn't have to live in the city, so why is the judge? <laughs> I don't know. He, he residency right is there, a state right there, right there on eleven. Re- is a state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a. What is the legal definition of residency? <laughs> we have to pull out the statute. It doesn't come up. Yeah. Doesn't that. come up in city court. Hey Zach, I wanted to congratulate you on your uh, on your coaching. I went and visited uh, yeah. this week at Memorial Park. I saw, the, you, I saw you for thirty seconds Tuesday night. Zach had a whistle; it was very impressive. I never whistle. I had, a, I had a stopwatch. Oh, it looked like a whistle. I don't whistle at anybody, but I do. I all I had was a goal. My my job was, um, and I was like Jeremiah's like, so how's this going? I'm trying to explain it. Courses are always very complicated for cross country. I always joke; it looks like they. Um, yeah, it's a, it looks like they gave cousin like cousin Eddie from National Lampoon, like they said here. Stay inside this box. Here's a lawnmower. Drive this far, and whatever he comes up with, that's your course because it usually crosses over itself. There's loops or whatever. But I had to get the the mile one timer, the time the stopwatch that started with the gun before the runners got there, and I had a more direct route, but it still was like a little stressful. And so this meant the race started. I would just shotgun off. And then I think I ran a little over three miles. I did a 5K between the two races running around. So I did half the distance of the kids, or did the full distance that the kids did, but across two races, just running around. So, yeah, girls won. Great run. Good weather. And thanks to all the other teams that showed up, like Rushville. There's Rushville, Cowan, Shenandoah. Anderson Prep. And Thank goodness we don't have to run a 5K to determine this race. <laughs> Yes. Oh, <laughs> that was the tiniest part of it. I spent well, so much time. I spent so much time at Memorial Maybe Park. That's what we should do. Yeah, let's do it. Just let's run it out. I trial do, by so, combat. So you guys, yeah. I did have a question. So, <laughs> Remember when Barry Bogart? There was a guy filed a motion in court. In was it Circuit Court One? He filed sure. a motion for trial by combat, and he set out <laughs> all these parameters that that. He would suggest that it would be a cage match between him and now prosecuting attorney Michael J. Mahoney. <laughs> they would sell. Uh, they would sell concessions, uh, and they would. I think it said that if 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 the defendant Barry won, he would donate the money to the Children's Miracle Network. I mean, and I don't think the judge, of course, um, didn't grant that motion. Damn! But <laughs> let the gods decide. I've always, decide. I've always thought that maybe they you, could be. I do have a question. Do you guys ever see like a, a new city ordinance and just roll your eyes, thinking this is going to be horrendous when it gets to you guys? There's some that I've saw recently that I thought, how was that not one before? Like the shooting bow and arrows in. Oh, see, I was in, that was I was in for that meeting. 
people ruin everything. <laughs> and so this this guy was shooting and was using the neighbor's driveway as a backstop. So arrows were flying across this 85-year-old woman's driveway. Mm-hmm. And it was in the middle of, like, it was in a subdivision, like, in Newcastle. It was shocking. But, like, some of the stuff I see, it's just like, because you do, I go, I go to city council meetings. You see people come in, they have a complaint. Boom, two meetings later, there's an ordinance, and whatever they were complaining about, and that was one of them, is now illegal. And I'm like, and some of them, I'm like, that was a very clear one. But there's some that I'm like, I think from a general, gonna be also fun. from a lawyer's standpoint, is, is the drafting of the ordinance Mint. or the drafting of the. Uh, As a judge, you have the ability to give like feedback at some point, or can you ask, like, can you guys clear this up? Because there's fogginess. Well, depending so, on I, if there's a case in front of you. Yeah. And it, let's say it's ambi- let's say it's ambiguous or, or something like that. Certainly, a, a judge is going to rule that if it's ambiguous or hard to interpret, they can't, you, you can't. Send it yeah, back. You can't I'm be. Not, I'm not going to. Yeah, you can't that. be held against so, something. But the good thing yeah. is we have a, a good city attorney here with Mr. Harvey and Mr. Copenhaver before that, who've really yeah. drafted a significant number of these ordinances, and, and they're very well drafted. So we we don't have a lot of that problem here, but yeah. statewide, it, it does happen. Yeah. And, and as a lawyer. That's one thing. That's one of the things you would argue. One thing, if I could, uh, uh, in insofar as this election goes, because uh, and and really any election, um, one thing that people that I would tell people to be um, cognizant of is the the problems with voting a straight ticket. I think that oftentimes people don't when they if they go in with the idea of voting a straight ticket, they don't educate themselves as much. Uh, because uh, there are good there are good candidates on both sides, um, especially especially in these local elections. I think politics uh, in the in the big grand scheme or the national scheme play a much lo- a smaller role uh, here locally, whether it's citywide or countywide. And I think that there have been some very uh, some some people that would have done a very good job um, that would never get a chance. Simply because of what side, uh, what what letter comes after their name, and if people take the opportunity to to research the candidates, research the issues, go in not with a straight ticket, uh, but with the idea that they're going to look at the best candidate, then that's going to be better for for everybody. Agreed, and I think it was Tip O'Neill who said all politics is local, and our local races are really a lot about personality and, and the the human beings, and less about. Less about party, but certainly, uh, yeah, you, you got to look at the individual. Yeah, and I've always said that judicial uh, positions should not. Be. They really shouldn't be. I mean, politics really don't play a role in in being a judge. And every every big time judge that I've ever talked to said they always thought the same thing until they were elected, and then they're glad that, that it's partisan. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I will say this is the uh, that. You know, we try to look past the party labels, and everybody gets on the show. If you're on the ballot, we generally try to include the race and have the folks here and have the conversation and help our audience understand who's out there uh, and and who the, who the names are there on the ballot. But this is the first time that we've had a city election where you're going to have, if you vote that straight ticket vote this time, uh, at large races you won't cast a vote at all. You're going to have to manually select in the at-large race. So when you get to your city council at-large, you're going to have to pick a name. It will not automatically fill it in for you. 
That's the way state law works now with, with that large. Two, you got to pick two out of the. Yeah, you large. can you can select two, but if you if you just say, "Hey, I'm going to choose team team donkey or team elephant," right. it will not fill in the rate the at large races. So you'll undervote that. So hmm. strongly encourage go through. You can just flip through the page each Absolutely. page. There's not that many races. Look at the names. Look at the folks, and hopefully you've been uh, paying attention to the Boss Hog Liberty podcast and and learn learn the candidates to help you uh, get your way through. Anything last for you, uh, Dakota? Oh, it's just wish me luck on Saturday. I'm nervous as heck about it. So, yeah. It's like the 9 o'clock temperature on Saturday is 58 degrees. That's perfection. That's you can't. Yeah, it'll be awesome. With the two-mile-an-hour breeze, can't complain there. So, yeah, good luck to all the people doing doing the mini marathon Saturday. I'll be in Shelbyville at a, another meet, but it's good. We've had a nice stretch of good running weather. Um, and then I think that the car show, the driving and flying at the – Marlot Field is this weekend as well. Yes, it is. So check out for flyers around that. And if you're a race fan, IMSA is at IMS for the what the challenge at the Brickyard or something like that. I can't I, remember what it's called. I'll, I'll be doing the IMSA thing all weekend. Also very excited. Thank both of you guys for coming in. Thank this kicked off our candidate series. It was a good episode. I learned a lot on this one. Um, I'm always appreciative of episodes where I learn. Dakota yeah. jumps into everything full, uh, d- just with two feet. I'm pretty sure he's probably now going to go get into law school, uh, and just so he can <laughs> Try run my for, hand at law. Joe just, said he just so he law can school. run. I love law school. <laughs> really? I, I loved was, every second of it. The prompt. What I didn't like about it was. I was married. I got married before. Oh, okay. Most yeah. of the other students weren't. Right. If they were, they were a lot older than me. If they were my age, they were not married. So it was balancing. And I mean, yeah. and I got married like three weeks before the first day of class. So it's balancing oh, a new. And it was the first time that either my wife or I had lived outside of our parents' houses. And oh, so geez. you're balancing newly married life with uh, full intensity with of full law intensity school and with kids that are wanting to law school to be kind of like round two of college and it's no joke and let me tell you when yeah. they say the guy on your left look at the guy on your right one of them's gonna be gone that's no joke yeah that is no joke well luckily i was the guy in the middle glad you got <laughs> exactly. glad you guys both made it through yeah. uh next week we will be back on thursday uh zach has set up our first count city council ward you drew them out of a hat. Who's who's coming next week, Zach? Jerry Walden and Cameron Grimm, which is Ward Three, I believe. Four? four. It's not four. I think it's, it's not four. I think it's, it's three. not four. Yeah, four. It's, it's Ward Two. Sure. You got a whole week to find out. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, that's that's who's coming. It might be because it, aren't they? Aren't they in order in yeah. the table? So, Mike, Jeff, <laughs> Jerry. Yeah, I think it might be three. I'm not sure, but it's Jerry. It's Jerry Walden who's been on the show before, and then Chris. Kip, we ever, we haven't too. had Cameron on for his other activities. So not yet. Cameron, be first time. We're looking forward to developing a long, another, and happy relationship. There'll be another week with the class of 2001 well represented because Joe graduated with me in high school, and so did Cameron. So every every we're week, everywhere, man. Every week is the class of 2001. <laughs> we are everywhere. I'm a class by myself. Oh one, uh, the Blue River Dropouts. All right. We'll see you guys next week.